Eight-year-old Damon Holloway walked toward the St. Jerome's Catholic Church for Christmas Eve Mass in 1978. It was snowing in the dark indigo-colored sky. This was nothing new for Damon, as his family did this every year, at least while he had been alive. His mother, Evelyn Holloway, was dressed in her finest in a festive motif, and his sister Jess had a lovely red crushed velvet dress on. It was a stark contrast to Jess's messy face from the chocolate chip cookie that she had smeared on it. Evelyn chastised, trying to wipe her daughter's mouth before she left the parking lot. Jess was silent. She didn't want to leave the house. Damon agreed with her, but he knew there was no choice in the matter. He was uncomfortable in a brown corduroy suit and vest that was fashionable five years ago and looked horridly out of date. A bow tie was tied on his neck which he tried to loosen as he felt he was choking. His hair, cut short and slicked back, was drenched in Vitalis hair product to make it shine and neat. The style would be a drastic difference later in his life. How come Dad isn't coming? Damon asked as he gazed up at his mother. This was the first time that his father had not joined them at Christmas Mass. Evelyn seemed to already anticipate his question as his mother rolled her eyes as she held his hands before crossing the street. You know why, Damon? He's on the road and won't be back until tomorrow. But it's Christmas, Mom. I know, Damon, but... Jess, get up off the ground now! You're going to ruin your stockings! She jerked Jess back to her feet. They finally left the parking lot and walked across the street. Jess whined and Damon was frustrated. Evelyn had not seen the spearmint green Chevrolet Impala turning the corner at high speed, the ice on the road prohibiting the car from slowing. The headlights trained on Evelyn as she turned her attention in panic at the runaway car as the driver blasted its horn in desperation. Time seemed to stand still as a man with a fedora dressed in a black suit grabbed Evelyn and the children and swiftly maneuvered them away from the car. Her heels bought brand new from J.C. Penney, broke under the stress, which was the least of Evelyn's worries as just cried hysterically. Damon was in awe of the man. He had never met the man, but an aura of comfort and protection exuded from him. It was like Damon knew him all his life. The car recovered from the near collision as it continued on its journey, as the man shouted from his open window. The driver was ignored as the man in the fedora tried to fix Evelyn's attire. Whoa. I'm sorry, ma'am. No, <laughs> it's okay. Thank you. You saved our lives. Oh my goodness, I can't thank you enough. Damon stared at how the man seemed to have a very warm glow about him, his smile as comforting as a warm blanket next to a fireplace. He directed that smile at the boy and replied to his mother. Well, you need to be careful. Some folks act like maniacs. <laughs> 
thank you so much. How could we ever repay you for this? You don't have to do anything. Just be more cautious next time, okay? Ten years later, that image reverberated in Damon's mind as the man in the fedora was now standing before him carrying a flaming sword. You... you were there? You saved my family! You're Saint Michael! Indeed I was there, Watchman. But that was a very long time ago. Baruchiel, the angel to his right, bowed to him. May the blessings of the Master give you success in your endeavor. The angel to Michael's left, Kamiel, smiled. Blessings are good, but strength and courage to you and your partner in this war. We will be directing your lamppost to the Portakeli, so you don't have an issue getting back, but we need to go. Portakeli? Yes, Carrie. You'll be seeing the gates of heaven. Not very many mortals have gazed upon it. But uh, the need of your services make this absolutely necessary. But be not afraid. You'll see things that your mind will be unable to understand, but you will be safe. Carrie and Damon touched the lamppost and felt a slight tingling all over the bodies. Damon wasn't sure if it was the suits or if it was the fact that they were living beings being transported into the realm of the ethereal. When they opened their eyes, they saw that the lamppost was hovering above the earth then zoomed past all of the universe and creation. Suddenly, they were no longer in a realm they understood or had ever seen before. This? Damon tried to vocalize anything, but his voice was trapped inside of himself. He turned to Carrie, who looked like a child on Christmas morning. Magic was still present in this world, and through her eyes he could see it. It made him love her even more. Moments later, he saw the lamppost hurled over a vast wasteland, a giant city of ruin with people walking around it. What is this? This is the Shadowlands, the first city. It's been expanded up since the days of Noah. This is the first stage of Limbo. How do you know? Carrie hesitated for a moment. Because they're telling me now. I'm being fed all this information telepathically and it's it's overwhelming. Carrie, just close your eyes if it's too much. Not too much. Just like I'm reading a billion books at once. Digesting the information. Oh, aren't you feeling anything? I... I don't know. What do you mean? I mean, I have always been a bit of an agnostic, but I don't think I can say that anymore. The Endless City ended at an immense fortress. This is Fortress Pandemonium. It's the bastion of the heavenly powers in this portion of the realm. Heaven soldiers on the front of the Great War are stationed here. It's been taken and retaken by both sides so often that there are parts that, if it were created, destroyed, and recreated in the likeness of the image of both Lucifer and the Master countless times, both demons who have escaped the Abyss and angels have fought for this realm in the quest to get to Portakeli. Damon noticed that the closer they approached the other end of Fortress Pandemonium, the light was getting brighter and brighter. 
The last level of limbo is where we're heading. Where is that? Porticale is Latin for the gates of heaven. No matter how far the forces of Belial and the Black Legion have gotten, they've never been able to storm the gates. There are five gates into heaven. Five? I thought there would be seven. The first gate is for the mortal entrance. St. Peter the Apostle mans that gate. As he should. The second gate is for the angels to enter and leave for their missions to Earth. The third gate is for the master himself. God gets a gate of his own. Makes sense. What about the last two? Carrie's eyes darkened. The fourth gate is to the abyss. It is so the master can proclaim judgment on the denizens of the abyss. A contingent of warrior angels led by Camille's Epsilon Legion act as wardens. And the fifth gate? Carrie shook her head as if coming back to her senses. I can't tell you. What do you mean you can't tell me? I have been forbidden to tell you at this time. They don't want me to. The lamppost finally set down in front of the Angel's Gate as Michael waited for them. Damon and Carrie stood in awe of the place around them. <sighs> Take a good look, Watchmen. Very rarely do mortals, especially those of your caliber, get to see the wonders of the Empyrean Realm. For their time, anyway, that is. Damon was speechless as he couldn't comprehend the sights that he was seeing. How are you able to see these things? What you see aren't rocks, boulders, or dust, or even the angelic soldiers before you. You see converted energy. You see concepts, values, feelings, and sometimes emotions in tangible form. Your mind, in order to make sense of all this, has created visions and situations that you can understand. How is this possible? With the Master, all things are possible. Michael pointed his flaming sword in the distance. We will be running interference with my Alpha Legion, Camille's Epsilon Legion, and Baruchiel's Theta Legion. We will cover you to get to the Soul Bank, but we're not entirely sure what type of resistance we will come across. It'll be up to you two to destroy it. Now, once we are ready, we will start our offense. My suit feels funny, Damon said, rubbing his hands all over it. It's because the energy that flows through it comes from this realm. You have an infinite amount of pyros unfettered or filtered coming to these suits. While in this realm, you have unbridled angelic power, but there is a flaw. And what is that? Before the angel could answer, the forces of the Black Legion made their attack, taking out the right flank of Theta Legion. Michael immediately went into action. Alpha! Epsilon! Swell those flanks and attack! We need to push to the objective! Wait! What was the weakness? 
She was ignored as the legions did as Michael commanded, and the suits that Carrie and Damon wore almost immediately converted to that of the same golden armor worn by Heaven's warriors. Michael turned to the mortals from a distance and shouted, Stay here! When we are behind the lines, we will summon you to come with your vessel. Wait! What if you... What if you fail? Then you two are literally the last line of defense of this gate. He then flew into the air and rejoined his soldiers in combat. Damon peered out into the light as Carrie gazed at him. Do you really think that there would be a chance they could lose? Hell no! Maybe you should come up with another way to respond, my dear. Carrie politely recommended as she patted him on the shoulder. Oh, shit. Yeah, sorry, Lord. The sounds of war seemed to confuse and entice both Carrie and Damon. It wasn't entirely like the sounds of war in the world of man that they were used to. It was as if atoms themselves were warring, or equations were written to counteract other equations. It was as if concepts themselves were warring in front of them, and it gave Damon a splitting headache. Uh. His eyes, let alone Carrie's, were not supposed to be privy to those conflicts or to view them. He turned his gaze to her. She never took her eyes off of the battle, and deep down, Damon knew that whatever shred of sanity she might have had prior to this mission was going to be sorely tested during this one. It's... it's almost symbolic. How so? Damon asked as he clutched his forehead in pain. Moments passed as if time stood still. Carrie's tone was almost epiphanic. I... understand this. I don't know if I'm supposed to, but I do. When she stared at the glory before her in complete awe, Damon was scared. Amidst his pain, it was quite unnerving for him to see something like this on such a massive scale. It made him realize just exactly how small he really was compared to the cosmos. Damon studied his mind and stared at her, trying to ignore the battle raging next to them, in his mind, they weren't important. Okay, so help me out, Carrie. Dumb it down for me. Carrie seemed to physically tear her gaze away from it all, and her eyes met his, the glazed over look finally fading away from them. She wet her lips as her thoughts caught up to what she needed to say. Souls. They're fighting for souls. Okay, I'm still not getting it. What do souls have to do with any of this? Think about it, Damon. Not just souls on this plane, but every plane, every planet, existence, or place that has ever existed, they're fighting for control of them. Damon's headache continued to worsen. I don't understand. Aren't those souls supposed to go to the great beyond? There are rules here, aren't there? Yes. They were a long time ago, but they're not being adhered to any longer. They're being kept and imprisoned, used like a battery. Clotho and Atropos had, n had it wrong. Something way more sinister. Damon was trying to keep up the, to the best of his ability, but still needed clarification as so much was happening at once. Okay. Battery. You lost me again. <laughs> a battery. Not a euphemism or anything. A an actual battery. Banks full of souls, and it will be used to power for whoever controls them. That's what this entire thing is about. You're telling me Michael and the angels up here are trying to build nuclear bombs from the souls of the dead? And we're supposed to help them? Carrie shook her head 
again trying to find the words to explain the situation in a manner that made sense. Not the angels. They have an infinite power source. The Black Legion don't, and they are the ones that need them. They need the harness power to tip the scale of the war. Uh... Are you okay? Damon shook his head and again strained to keep up with the pace. I'll... Uh, I'll be fine. Oh, so you're telling me the Black Legion built these things and have been harvesting souls for it? How long has this been happening? Carrie's eyes glazed over once again, peering through Damon, past him, as if she was staring into the infinite void itself. That's what I've been saying. Clotho and Atropos are wrong. It's coming from something. Someone else is invoked. Powerful. I don't know what, I can't figure it out, but there's something not natural about what's happening. A foreign hand, a third party, it has yet to reveal itself. It's not the necromancer they're thinking of. Damon sighed heavily, still trying to ignore the battle. He clutched his head and fell to his knees. Carrie's eyes left the wonder before her and attended him. Damon! Blood trickled from Damon's nostrils as Carrie called Rafferty. Watchman White Rafferty! Carrie, we are getting some strange reading from Watchman Holiday's suit. What's going on? He... he was complaining of massive headaches, and all of a sudden he fell to his knees, and now he's blood coming out of his nose. His vital signs are getting really erratic. Carrie, I need him to get to the Nexus Eternal. Is it a brain tumor? What's going on? The angels need us soon. There is no time, or he will be dead. Get back to the Nexus. Michael will understand. Another voice came over the suit, and it was that of Michael. Go and tend to Holloway. This fight might last a while. Once he is taken care of, we will be waiting for you. But now, a word from our sponsor. The Cosmic Void Onward it stretches into infinity. Matched in depth and vastness by but one thing. The human imagination. Dark Charm Media presents... Tales from this, the greater of two endless realms. Join us as we enter a gate beyond. Bi-weekly, only on Dark Charm Radio Shows, wherever you get your podcasts. As Carrie arrived, she screamed at the top of her lungs. Rafferty! Anybody! He's unconscious! Her own fear began to bubble up as Rafferty finally came out of the darkness. She stared at him in his true form. Help him! He has been attacked psionically. Psionically? Wouldn't the suit have prevented something like that? How did I get 
said. Carrie stood up to address Rafferty. Your mind is strong and most likely thwarted the effect without notice. Or you were never their target at all. Let me take a closer look. Rafferty knelt down and put his hand first to his forehead and then to the suit. Carrie watched the enigmatic being before he turned his gaze to her. The suit's failsafe devices were turned off remotely. How is that possible? Even I can't remotely affect this suit. Rafferty stood up. If Carrie could tell that he had a somber look on his face, it was unknown to her. There is one weakness the suit has. Anyone of heraldic power can modify the suit, even from afar. He'll be okay. The realm is healing him as we speak, but will take a little time to get readjusted. But we have a mission to help Atropos. He needs us to be ready. We're a team. My worry is that Bismarck had found a way to subvert the suits in order to attack him from afar. He lost heraldic ability when he fell from grace. Trust me, I'm not entirely keen on your soul war. Carrie, I can sense your work. No! Then please explain to me why the legions of heaven are willing to destroy souls that actually belong to this realm to destroy this bloody soul bank. Rafferty remained nonplussed, even though that she had interrupted him. There's more to the story than we've been led to realize. You are the key. What do you mean, I am the key? It shouldn't make a damn difference to the souls that actually belong in reality. Rafferty turned his head to the side, almost like a dog trying to understand its owner. What did you see while in the Porte Caelid? You're the angel, Rafferty, or did you not think I would piece that together? What do you think I saw? That is why we are asking. If we couldn't see what was going on, why would I be asking? This newest information startled Carrie. She knew Rafferty was a powerful entity, and if he didn't know what was going on, it was something different. Carrie's voice cracked as she tried to remember. Soul vision. The fifth gate. While that is unnerving, Carrie, that is not what I am referring to. Okay, there's a signature. Someone else who created the soul bank. I'm not sure if there are more of them, but they were not created by the necromancer that Clotho and Atropos think was from the Black Legion, although they have no qualms about using them. Does the Black Legion know they did not create him? Nothing I've heard from Michael or the other angels say otherwise. We need to interrogate someone from the other side, if possible. Damon began to stir beneath her. Carrie knelt back down and cradled his head. <sighs> Darling, it's okay. I'm here. You're back at the Nexus. Damon groaned in a groggy state, not quite coherent, but alert. Oh, my head. You were psionically attacked, Damon, by an unknown assailant. In... in heaven? Damon replied, trying to sit up, but unable to. Not in heaven, but pretty close. It means they have access to limbo, even the porticated. Damon finally stood up, using the lamppost as a crutch. Bismarck. I don't think it was him, but I wouldn't put it past him. 
It wasn't him. How could you tell? As you were unconscious, I had an extensive conversation with Carrie about what happened. I said the same thing to her I am saying to you. Bismarck doesn't have the psionic powers to do something like this. Not even with the demonically modified suit he has. No. Whoever did this had powers akin to Carrie. Maybe stronger. I... I felt something while I was out. I felt this strange, for lack of a better term, sadness permeating through my being. Like a sense of longing. I don't know. In a way, it felt more human than human. Is there a way for me to get back to Porticale without Damon? Hey, I'll be okay. Soon. Damon fell back to the floor of the Nexus. Damon! Damon! This is unexpected. What's going on? Is it not working? I must converse with my superiors on this matter. I will be back as soon as they can. Rafferty walked into the void. Carrie stroked Damon's face, worried for her love. His face under the blue light of the Nexus was turning almost white. It's okay. Baby, listen to my voice, okay? Stay with me, my love. Don't. Damon muttered out as his eyes fluttered. Do, do what, my love? Damon, whatever, whatever did this to you is fighting the healing effects in the Nexus Eternal. We need to find out why. Damon slipped back into unconsciousness. Rafferty came back. Both of you are needed to travel using this conduit, but an angel can serve as a guide back to the Porticale or wherever else you need to travel. In this matter, timing is of the essence. If we do not find out what happened and who did it, Damon could die, even in the Nexus. My superiors have granted me the authorization for you to investigate the issue without Watchman Holloway. But, but how is it that he's dying? The energy that was psionically used to do this is still in his brain. In an instance where time wasn't halted, he would have been dead in almost an instant. That energy is still there, but slowed significantly while still in his head. Without that energy present, Damon would heal normally, but he is running out of time, albeit in a slower fashion if he was elsewhere. So, in essence, he has a psionic bullet in his brain and we need to get it out. For every hour we do not get that energy neutralized, the further he will deteriorate, eventually into oblivion. Wait, this is supposed to be near heaven. Why can't this be fixed by God or Jesus or something? Isn't he supposed to be all-powerful, all-knowing? Harry knew what Rafferty was going to do before he said it. No. Because the energy is Pyros, Enochian in origin, whoever did this was once an angel, is an angel, or is in league with us. And your next mission just got even more difficult. Guest starring Josh Schroeder as Cameo, Max Hunter as Perukio, The Driving Dick, and Evelyn Holloway, played by Ferd Burfel, and St. Michael the Archangel, played by Danny Fascination Street by The Cure, Wonderful Christmas Time by Paul McCartney and Wings, Spirit in the Sky by Norman Greenbaum, and Never Ending Story, sang by Lamar, written by Giorgio Moroder, special effects by Zapspot.com, copyright Dark Charm Media 2023, all rights reserved.
Hello. I'm Captain Joshua Chambers of the Baltimore Police Department. Are you bothered by strange noises in the middle of the night? Do you experience feelings of dread in a basement or attic? Have you or any of your family members ever encountered a spook, specter, or ghost? If you have, don't call the police. They can't help you. All we have are guns. But you know who can? The keepers. Here is a satisfied customer. I couldn't get through the house without getting molested by any kind of weird perverted ghost. To be honest, it's the most action I've gotten years, but that's besides the point. I needed help, so I called the keepers. And those specialists took care of those perverts lickety split. And I kind of missed the attention, though. The Keepers have been around for over 200 years and have been helping normal people with supernatural problems ever since. If you have a problem with the supernatural, call Humanities Defenders. Call the Keepers at 1-800-KEEPERS. That's 1-800-KEEPERS. Call now. Be sure to tune in to Season 3 of Noxo, coming from Dark Charm Media 2023.